Hi everyone, Griffin Marie here and welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves Podcast channel. Today we will be discussing the macroeconomic situation in the US, the Delta variant and its impact on the economy, the week's FOMC meeting and a whole lot more. I am excited today uh, excited to be joined today by Brian Rose, a senior economist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So Brian, it's great to be with you and looking forward to our conversation today. Thanks Griffin. Good morning everyone. So, Brian, it must have been a fun week to be an economist. Let's start with the chatter earlier this week that drove markets downwards, which was, of course, concerns over the Delta variant of coronavirus. What is your assessment of Delta's impact on the global economy and the read-throughs for markets as an extension? Yeah, well, you know, every week's a fun week to be an economist. Uh, This was, uh, you know, an interesting week. And uh, just last night, there was uh, new reporting about the Delta variant. So uh, Washington Post got a hold of an internal the CDC presentation, and uh, that really helps to explain why they changed uh, their guidance. And they're looking for uh, you know more more people to put their masks back on. So uh, it really encouraged people to uh, to go and, and and look at that. And uh, it, basically, the presentation shows that. Delta spreads much more than uh, previous variants. So in the range of chicken pox, which uh, I guess, you know, most people end up getting, right, while you're still uh, still, still a child. And also it seems that the people who are vaccinated and end up getting a breakthrough infection, so they're, they're vaccinated but they're still infected with Delta, those people shed as much virus as uh, people who are unvaccinated. So they don't get as sick, but they're, they, they spread the, the, the virus. So it seems that, especially as more and more people are in the vaccinated camp, that, uh, you know, that, that group, the vaccinated group, is accounting for more of the spread of the, the virus and therefore the, the change in the guidance for, you know, even vaccinated people to start to wearing masks uh, indoors again. And it'll take us some time to assess uh, this. Again, it's a bit uh, shaky because it's it's an internal uh, presentation that uh, has become public. You know, it wasn't meant for public release, so we'll have to see exactly, you know, uh, how the guidelines change uh, and um, what what their explanation of the of the data is. Um, but clearly, this is not good news. And, uh, you know, the, what is good news, though, is that on, uh, on, according to the data that's in this presentation, uh, vaccines are still very effective at reducing the risk of hospitalization and, and death. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that and, and the vaccines are rolling out globally, right? So every day more and more people are getting vaccinated and uh, helps to, you know, reduce the the risks of the worst outcomes and you know, for the u.s in, in terms of the economic impact you know there's it's one thing if you have to put your mask back on and uh, another if you have to you know go back into lockdown i think the you know renewed the lockdowns are very unlikely uh, here uh you know so the economic impact won't be that uh, that large uh the one thing i would be concerned about is school reopening so is this going to affect uh you know the the schools. Can we really get all the kids back? Um, 
you know, in, in school, uh, especially younger kids who aren't eligible for, for vaccination, uh, you know, are they really going to be able to go back and, and attend uh, school in person? This does have an important impact uh, on the economy. But uh, again, we'll, we'll be assessing this more in, uh, you know, over the next few days. Absolutely, Brian. So shifting our attention to another big news item this week, uh, of course, the uh, Federal Reserve's FOMC policy meeting and uh, that wrapped up on Wednesday. Brian, what were some notable takeaways from the Fed's uh, recent policy update as well as Chairman Powell's press conference? So, uh, you know, one of the, the real key takeaways was in the FOMC statement, they added uh, this phrase saying that the economy has made progress towards the Fed's goals. And keep in mind that in order to start tapering their QE asset purchases, the Fed wants to see substantial further progress. And uh, again, the statement says, well, we're, we've made progress. And uh, Powell made it clear, you know, we haven't made enough progress to uh, reach the substantial uh, further progress uh, hurdle. Um, but again, we, we're heading in that direction. So we are making uh, progress. And, uh, you know, another important thing is what didn't happen, which is that the Fed didn't give us their plan to taper. So there was some speculation ahead of the meeting that the Fed might use this as the, you know, the announcement. Not that we're starting, but just how we're going to do it. You know, how quickly we're going to taper. Are we going to front load MBS versus Treasuries? The Fed didn't give us uh, that information. And also... Powell's language was very, very similar to his previous, uh, you know, appearances. So really wasn't a lot new there in, in terms of what uh, Powell said. So I think this is, you know, a small step towards tapering, not not a large one. And in our view, the timing, the most likely timing of the Fed the tapering is, hasn't changed. So we think they'll announce late this year that they intend to taper, and then uh, actual tapering will start early early next year. Excellent. Well, thank you for that, Brian. Now, taking a look at other macroeconomic uh, proceedings this week, what were some not- notable events or calendar items you'd like to discuss? Well, of course, uh, one of the big economic releases this week was the GDP for second quarter. And this uh, came in a bit softer than expected. So, uh, 6.5% annualized growth rate in the second quarter. You know, that's really strong, obviously much stronger than normal, but consensus was up at 85 So it did fall short uh, of consensus. And what the data shows is extremely strong demand. So consumer spending was even stronger than expected, rising uh, at almost 12, uh, 12% annualized rate. So just, uh, you know, a huge uh, number. But the problem is that the supply side can't keep up. And to help fill in the gap, we were drawing down inventories and also using imports. So we import more to fill the gap between what people are buying and what uh, we can actually produce. So, you know, keep in mind that the P in GDP, that stands for production. So in order for GDP to grow, you actually need to produce this stuff. It's not just enough to, to buy it if you're you know, importing something from outside the country uh, to, and, you know, and, and people are buying the imported goods, that, that doesn't add to uh, to GDP. Mm-hmm. And instead, what you get is, uh, you know, inflation, right? If the uh, supply side is struggling to keep up in the face of strong demand, it just pushes prices up. 
And this is what we saw, 6.5% growth in GDP and a similar growth rate in in inflation. So uh, if you look in dollar terms, in nominal terms, the GDP grew at a 13% pace. So other than the the first quarter when we came out of lockdown, 13% nominal, that's the highest since 1981. Uh, and you know, so this is something to keep in mind. GDP, real GDP, was a bit disappointing, but nominal GDP in dollars was absolutely gigantic growth rate, and this is one of the drivers of uh, corporate uh, revenues and and earnings. You know, is uh, is that uh, in dollar terms the economy is really uh, is really flying. And uh, one other you know, relevant piece of data this that just just came out today. The Employment Cost Index, this is a quarterly measure of wages, and it was softer than expected, up seven-tenths quarter on quarter. Uh, it had gone up nine-tenths in the first quarter and gave a hint that, okay, wages are accelerating. And to sustain in high inflation, you really need wage growth to pick up. And we saw a second quarter actually slowing again to a very moderate uh, rate. So I think uh, this data is, uh, at least for the Fed, reassuring that uh, you know inflation is high now but it's unlikely to be sustained because you just don't see the wage growth that you would need to you know to sustain a very high rate of inflation well thank you for the recap for the week that was brian but looking forward here what should investors be focused on for ahead of next week yeah so we do have some key indicators the next week especially on friday we get the you know latest data non-farm payrolls uh, we expect uh, a good number, something up around uh, a million payrolls. Uh, there is some speculation that for very technical reasons, uh, the, we could have a, a big surprise to the upside on this number. Uh, so we'll just have to see. But some, some people are looking for you know, a real breakthrough, one and a half, two million payrolls that, that could really change uh, uh, the outlook, but uh, our view is that it'll be you know very strong number, but not uh, you know a huge new range that, uh, for example, would force the Fed to bring up uh, the timing of, of the taper. And also, we get the ISM uh, indexes, and these are a good snapshot of current uh, conditions. Uh, so th- they are especially we want to see you know what's going on with the supply side bottlenecks. Are these being resolved, or are they getting worse? companies, you know, are better able to find the workers that they they need. And also in terms of inflationary pressure, you know, is there any easing of the inflationary pressure uh, that, that we've been seeing uh, in recent months? So you know, the recent data from the ISM shows almost all prices rising at, at the producer level. So almost all companies saying that their, their input costs are rising. So it'll be interesting this time. Is that continuing or we're starting to see uh, some some relief on that front. Well, Brian, a great conversation today on the macroeconomic developments this week. We thank you for joining us and sharing your insights and looking forward to having you back on sometime soon. Thanks very much. Again, we have been joined today by Brian Rose, a senior economist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. 
And as a reminder to our clients and listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office authors a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can be located on UBS.com slash CIO. For clients of UBS, you can also contact your financial advisor if you'd like to learn more about or receive a copy of any of the publications and blogs directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes and Spotify. Visit UBS.com slash studios to view the entire podcast offering as well as the UBS trending video series. So from UBS Studios, I'm Griffin Marie, and thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.